grab your favorite beverage, kick up your feet as you ascend with me into the joy portal of soul reflections, fresh perspectives, fun ideas, and wisdom. Light to light and heart to heart. Smile and breathe even deeper as together we will soar above the perception of all hurdles and shine brightly as the light we are. Namaste. Welcome to Light Laughter and Lattes. My name is Jerry Habstreet. I'm a medical intuitive, a Vesa quantum healer, self-ascension intuitive counselor, and your friend and soul connection for the next hour. Happy Solstice Week, everyone. I'm sure you're all feeling the energy building and building and building. We have got a whopper of a weekend coming. We are at the time of a new opportunity to anchor in a higher state of consciousness, to anchor in a higher dimension. And we are also at the very beginning, we are in the pre-phase of a Mercury retrograde. The actual retrograde starts on Friday, and this is a big retrograde. And so we are at a time of bringing in perfect balance. And anytime we have an opportunity for perfect balance, that means that everything that, ought, that is out of balance needs to come back into balance. So whatever in your life might be out of balance might be showing up this week. So it's probably a big week for everyone. I know personally, a lot of sadness and like a minor depression for me all week. And I'm really having a hard time moving forward because of that. And I'm guessing that I'm not the only one. These energies tend to bring up all these things because it's an opportunity to this weekend to move into places and spaces that we have never been before, to lift dimensionally, to lift in consciousness. And so today I have with me Haley Frogley. <laughs> and she is an author at age 21 of her poem book. And I've had Haley on before. So this isn't the first time um, I told her to have her back again when she got her poem book done. And so welcome, Haley. Thank you. It's nice to see you again. And this time over video, so I can actually see your face. <laughs> I know. This is a little bit, it's a little bit different doing an interview this way, isn't it? When you can see. Yeah. 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 I love it. I feel more present with you. Yeah. So everyone, if you happen to be catching this via podcast on Oneness Talk Radio or any of the other outlets, if you prefer to watch it, you can go over to Oneness Talk Radio YouTube. And you'll be able to watch this live. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. So tell me, how has how your week been? Are you feeling these energies? Yeah. Um, my week, I just feel like this whole month of June, for whatever reason, was a really big month of redirection for me. Um, I, at the beginning of the month, had some sort of, you know, tentative plan for how I thought things were going to happen. And just one thing after another just kind of broke apart and I had to create something new with what was left. So it's been really uh, fun for me because I've been able to see very clearly those imbalances. And the reason that I use the word fun 
is because I have felt empowered in rebalancing my life, which is really big for me as a human being. I feel like that's a new initiation I'm going through is really celebrating like the amount of control I have regained over my momentum and then being able to feel these imbalances and these heavy, this heavy energy and, and feeling empowered and inspired to bring balance back into my life. Well, that's beautiful. And I love the way it, it, it adds a whole dim- new dimension to it all when you're at a point where you're aware of what's going on within you and you don't, you're not, you're not a victim of your emotions like oh here here i am again this is me what do i do with it you you can see that they're just passing emotions are coming and going and and yeah rebalancing and this is going away and the news coming in and you're so very aware which is awesome i don't know if i've talked to many other young people like yourself 21 right (laughs) <laughs> 21. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so hey, have you have you always been very awake from a young age? Um when I was born I was given the name Sunshine by my dad and that became like everyone could kind of just see that I had this brightness. Um but that same brightness was really confusing to me. I didn't, I don't really feel like I have understood myself as well as I do now, but I have always been very tuned in, um, is kind of how I, how I would put it. When I was looking, it was because I wanted to see. And when I was listening, it's, it's because I was listening and I've always been very here with myself. Um, And then I had a lot of experiences in my life that closed. I built up a lot of walls. I had a lot of trauma and I kind of closed myself into this cocoon, which I talk about in the book. I have a lot of poems um, using the metaphor of a cocoon and how I was in this stage of transformation that I didn't understand as transformation because it was a death. So I climbed into this cocoon with all of my grief and all of my sadness and all of my bitterness and I was very isolated in this world of myself. And then while being wrapped in all of my shadows, I saw myself so clearly. I saw that all of the things I had wrapped around myself were me and that I needed this deep and resolute unconditional love for myself in order to get out of it. So then I just spent all this time just fortifying this love and this unconditional acceptance for myself, for the difficult things I had experienced and for the the difficult parts of myself that to look at, you know, Mm -hmm. and by spending all this time with myself, I was able to come out of the cocoon with new wings and transformation because I was willing to tune all the way in. So I have a couple of things for you. So um, share, if you would, a little bit about your background, because you've had you've walked through a lot by the we age of twenty-one. <laughs> I know, but mine didn't really start till forty. <laughs> <laughs> you've like done it all before twenty-one. So. <laughs> 
I grew up in a very religious family. I grew up in a grandparents, great grandparents, great great grandparents were pioneers of the LDS or Mormon faith. So they were, I'm, I'm from a line of people who sacrificed a lot of things, a lot of things for a higher vision and for this, this truth that they carried in their hearts. And I grew up in this faith and from the beginning, just, I always wanted to be good, but I always felt this friction with my faith. I always was questioning things and I would see things and it wouldn't feel right. And so I had this kind of chafing that was happening and something that was supposed to be so effortless and so beautiful and so true started to feel like it was breaking me down. I, I kind of felt like the, the metaphor I've used before is like there was a cookie cutter placed upon my soul and the parts that didn't fit the mold were to be cut away very aggressively. I was supposed to ban them. I was supposed to shame them. I was supposed to hide them away. And that hurt me really bad because I wanted to show up as everything that I was. I wanted to be unconditionally loved and accepted as what I was born to be. So there were all these these frictions that were happening. And because I didn't find any resolution within my community at church, because all of them were so devout in their faith, um, I started to fall into crowds of people who were the very opposite of that. And I just rebelled really hard. So I fell face first into this pit of these, these rooms and communities of very selfish people, very, you know, addictions and, and just like me having my own forms of selfishness and addiction. And I just fell right into my shadows so all the things that I had been taught to cut away, I just embodied them, but in a very unhealthy way. Mm. Um, so my parents, seeing this turn of you know who they once saw as sunshine, now becoming someone who didn't have light in her eyes anymore, they saw that and they wanted to get me help, but they couldn't reach me. I had pushed them so far away. They sent me to a wilderness therapy program. I talk about wilderness therapy and recommend it for everybody because everyone could benefit from spending months of, months of their time outside. Um, but I had this opportunity to sit outside and to be with myself. And I was with a group of people who were dealing with their own things. So I felt very supported that I could share my darkness and I could receive help because other people were doing it so it made it okay so I just started cracking open and just letting people in and I started getting all these new perspectives you know I met hippies out there and I was like wow like you guys feel so close to me like there are people who live like this and that's okay I met people of all backgrounds and shapes and sizes and just just very very much shattered the perfect world I had been living in where there was those cookie cutter molds on people. And I went to this place where that cookie cutter was taken away and people were growing organically. And it just gave me this renewed hope that I could grow organically too and be loved for it. So I spent all this time at wilderness and I just started repairing and patching up my soul. And I spent time as a staff there and 
just my journey from that place and that point of going from a very domesticated, you know, suburban environment to then being in, in absolutely the middle of nowhere and, you know, not worrying about things like um, setting an alarm in the morning or shaving my legs or, you know, just this and that, that was, they just became so mundane and I was there and I was living and that I have continued to embody that way of being since my time out there, which has led to this whole new journey in my life where every moment is wilderness therapy at every moment, no matter where I'm sitting, who I'm with, what I'm doing, I tune into myself. I'm aware of my surroundings. I'm aware of the patterns and, and the, the depth. And because I'm aware of that, I'm able to make these choices from a very secure place, a very stable place where when I flow forward, it's no longer in a hurry. I'm no longer trying to push the river. I am the river. I am being the river. And wherever it needs to flow, I will go with myself there because I trust this, this path, this rugged, this wild terrain isn't supposed to be easy and perfect and paved. My life has become this journey through the wild places of myself I'm no longer scared to be there because I'm confident that I can be there. Well, you, so the church isn't the only thing that you've had to walk through though. You've had, you had some <laughs> abuse as well along the way, correct? Yeah. So funny. I just skipped over all of that. That wasn't even conscious. Yeah. I, I had some experiences with sexual violence when I was really young. I was 15 and you know, the the culture of my high school was just little people trying to be big people. And what they saw from big people was so much unhealthy behavior. So these boys who weren't developed, weren't present, weren't conscious, were acting from a place of this like script. I'm supposed to be like this. I'm supposed to get this. I deserve this. And I had because of my home life because of society as a woman I did not have an empowered voice I had no idea how to use my strength I had no it, it wasn't even conceivable to me that I was powerful I felt small I felt silent I felt all these things and so these these boys were able to take advantage of that innocence and of that silence and and it affected me for, it still affects me to this day. It, it affected me more than is able to be expressed in words. And I'm not the only person who understands that. So I, I feel very blessed to be on a side of it now where I'm able to confidently stand up for both sides, you know, and to teach when it's, when it's the time to teach and to absolutely stop things that need to, that cannot go on. Right. But yeah, there was, there was a lot of, of, it was this huge imprint on my soul that it does not matter. Someone's going to hurt you. And I had to rewrite that story because it affected all my relationships it affected my ability to ask for what I needed, whether it be emotional or physical or, you know, spiritually. 
Um, it just robbed my voice from me for a very long time and getting it back was the most rewarding experience, but the most difficult thing I've ever gone through. So you're, you're making me think of oftentimes these kind of things happen to, you know, children or people, you know, when they're younger Mm -hmm. and they hold it in and don't talk about it for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden you'll hear a story. Well, of this coming out and this coming out and this coming out. So you, I bet you can really relate to when something like that happens and you don't have a voice and you can't say anything and you can't share it because it just, you can't. And then, and it takes a certain amount of time in healing to really get your voice and feel strong enough to be able to stand up and, and, you know, say something, tell people, sh- share what happened to you. Yeah. And I think the hardest part is admitting to yourself that something happened Mm. because for me, I wrote this story in my head and I told this story in my head in a way that made it my fault because it was so much easier to blame myself so that I had to deal with it rather than knowing it wasn't my fault and then to deal with someone else. It was easier to project all of that anger and all of that depression right into myself than it was to rightfully and and honestly say no i this doesn't belong to me so it, did most of your healing over all of this this happened in, in your nature your nature journey that's definitely where it started but i've done the most healing in my everyday relationships um, and what I mean by that is that it took wilderness therapy for me to understand what happened, but then it took me every day waking up and taking myself back, coming home to myself. That was an everyday work, and it still goes on. Every morning that I wake up, I wake up and I'm, and I'm ready to come home to myself. So the things that are keeping me from my truth, maybe – you know, I, I need to tell someone in that I'm friends with that I, any, any way in my life that I ask myself to tell the truth and then I try to hinder myself from doing that, that's where I've done the most healing is by recognizing I'm about to stop myself from using my voice. But what I want is I want to be able to tell the truth. And then doing it anyway, even though that there's fear present, speaking the truth, standing up for myself, asking for what I need, telling someone, hey, I really appreciate this conversation. Can we change the tone a little bit so that it feels like we're closer and, and you know, just the little things. That's where I've done the most healing because that's what has made the most difference is the quality in which I am allowing myself to live my everyday life. Well, I heard you say something earlier about the the amount of self-love that you had to give yourself and appreciation. Can, can you share some of the things that you made a practice of? Because I know that's an ongoing thing for everyone. And I know a lot of people like, well, I think I do love myself. How can I, how can I love myself more? And, yeah. and you really know if you're loving yourself by the reflections of your life. Your life's a reflection of that. Yes. If you're in relationships and people are treating you lovingly and people are respecting you and people are nurturing you, then that's a really good sign that you're doing a good job of that to yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And so can you, can you share some of those things? How, how do you, how did that look for you? Yeah. I have this practice, this ongoing practice of saying okay to the tensions that pull on me. So for example, you know, there's this tension of you should do this, you should get up, you should, you should, you know, and it's this, this cord that's pulling on me. And it, it happens in, you know, the things that we think about ourselves. Oh, you're, you need to work harder. You can't ever do that. And to things like you need to stop doing this. You need to act in this way. You should, you need, you know, all these little, these, these tensions. I have a practice of saying okay to them, which is really fun because what happens is you have this cord and someone on the other side, something on the other side is tugging and it wants you to come with it. And if you pull back on that cord, it creates this ugly tension and you can feel it and you're straining and your muscles are tense and there's all this energy that is trying to move in two directions at once. And they're pulling away from each other. I have this practice of saying okay and going with the thing so that there's no tension on my cord. I'm just walking it. And I'm walking lovingly beside it. So if something, up, something in my mind says, you're not good enough, I walk with it and I say, okay, why am I not good enough? And more often than not, I have found that those tensions don't have an argument to back themselves up because they're not truth. Mm -hmm. So when I follow them and I go all the way with them, they burn out their energy, not me. I am full. I am complete. I am whole. And I am walking with these things until they dissolve because I'm not fueling them. And they're just these bursts. They're just these, you know, call it temptations. And they burn out so quickly because they don't have any fuel because I'm not pulling on them. I'm not resisting. I'm just walking with them and saying, okay, show me what you need. I am the center. I am the creator. And if I feel that you are, that you are of value to the energy I will put in you, then I will fuel you. But until then, you need to show me why you are true. Lovely. I love that practice. Yeah. Yeah. Those belief systems are tough or they're like life scripts, sometimes life scripts. And it's the ego that's constantly sabotaging our truth and our growth and our expansion. So we have to find these little tricky ways to, to get around, get around its, it's pirating of our journey. So it sounds like you found a great way to do that. Yeah. So another, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Another, another one of my favorite practices is seeing everything as earth, air, fire, and water, because those four things are, are created to balance each other out. So if I have too much air, if I put fire underneath it, it's going to fuel my energy. And instead of feeling stormy and, and restless, I'm, I'm putting fire under it so that the air has a job. This, this chaotic, stormy energy has somewhere to go. It fuels the fire, which is passion and creativity. And then all of a sudden, that, that air and that storm creates this inferno of creativity inside of me.
Or if I have too much water, I'm too emotional, I'm too heavy, the rains are falling. If I put earth under it or seeds, it will nurture those things and then they will grow. So I have this practice of deciding inside myself what I'm feeling in the terms of the four elements and what is out of balance and what I can bring in to put it into balance. Nice. Yeah, I find nature is a big balancer for me. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm an air sign, so that yeah. makes, makes sense. When I need a really good dose of balance, I go for a walk in nature, yeah. or drive into one of the canyons or something, and that seems to do the trick. What, what's your big balancer? Do you have a, a, one, a go-to? Um, I am astrologically and just in resonance, I am very watery, mm-hmm. um, very fluid, ever moving, always changing. And I am often cold. And so fire is actually something that I bring in all the time is that when I'm too watery, I'm too emotional, I'll be active in some way. Maybe I'll climb a mountain, go for a run, do some yoga, and just getting that heat back into my body just really evens and balances things out. Um, that's something that I bring in a lot is just the, if I can, if I can, that's what my poetry essentially is, is channeling the water and the fire together to create this movement with the water. The emotions become poetry and it becomes creativity and art. And then it balances the, the emotional waters. Well, that's where I wanted to go next in poetry. <laughs> so yeah. what were you writing poems as a child or did something, did your healing process inspire poetry from you? I've always been a writer um, and a bookworm for sure. When I was little, I could read cover to cover a book in the time I was just sitting down. Um, and from a really young age, I remember in elementary school, I would write, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? An author. Um, and those dreams didn't have any substance until the last two years of my life as far as being an author. But writing has been something I've done, whether it's creative writing and I'm, I'm storytelling. I love storytelling. Um, whether I'm storytelling or writing poetry, I've just always used words as my form of expression. Mm-hmm. So what, what inspired the book that you, you, it's called Universe, Y O U, right? I love that. That's clever. <laughs> so w- when did these poems begin when you were young poems from when you're young or just in the last couple of years? Yeah, these poems follow the the arc, the story of moving all the way through my shadow landscape. The first part of the book is very heavy, very deep, and not emotionally light at all. Um, and it follows this arc where I'm in my the pit of my shadows, and I'm starting to climb up and up and up until I come out and over the other side, back into the sunlight. And then I just, you know, it just follows this whole story that I lived of being in the pit of death and coming out and being reborn with the sun and being having my gratitude for life reborn and my hope restored. Um, 
So these poems were written inside of the pages of my journals. It wasn't intentionally a book. I compiled all this poetry for my healing process together. And these poems are from the last four or five years of my life and this journey that I've lived. I think the first ones that I wrote in the book, I was 14 or 15. Okay. Do you have, do you have a few that you would like to share with us? Yeah. I was going through, I was trying to bookmark pages that I wanted to read. I bookmarked like half the book. I was like, (laughs) wow, at least, (laughs) at least I have a couple. Um, I have a few. I don't know if you want to hear like my favorites or just some really. Wherever you'd like to start. Well, that one that I wrote when I was 14 or 15 is one of my favorites. It's called Blackbird, and it goes like this. They told me I was a blackbird. They showed me how to be. They placed me in the nest of a fallen tree. They locked me in the dark so I couldn't see. They left me all alone and threw away the key. They told me I was a blackbird and blackbirds did not sing. So I told myself to suppress the songs inside of me. They said blackbirds were happy, but happy I was not. I was alone, half dead. My hope was starting to rot. They said blackbirds could fly, but they had clipped my wings. All I could do was watch other blackbirds do amazing things. They told me I was a blackbird, so I did not understand why everything a blackbird should be was so far from my hands. It wasn't until the storm came, an internal storm per se, a hurricane that spilled out and on the floor it lay. It wasn't until the tears all piled at my feet, collected into a mirror, my reflection waiting to be seen. For the first time in my life, I saw myself in full view. My tears had washed their paint away and left a bright new hue. They told me I was a blackbird. They gave me a distorted mirror. And I never stopped to question them, for deep inside I feared. If I was was not a blackbird, was I worth nothing? They told me I was a blackbird, but I was much too trusting. They put me in a cage hanging in a tree, but all along I held the key to set myself free. They told me I was a blackbird and blackbirds did not sing, but no longer will I suppress my beautiful melodies. My tears in turmoil became my clarity. I was beaten and broken, but I am now ready. They told me I was a blackbird, but all along you see, I was a bluebird and now I am free. Beautiful. 14 or 15? Yeah, I wrote it actually in a creative writing course that I was taking at the time. I think I was a junior in high school. Okay, so that's still when you were part of the church, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't think I was, I wasn't attending church at this time, but I was still um, in terms of my membership. I was still a member, um, but I was definitely chafing away at that point. You're living within it. Your family was all members. and Yeah, I was very chastised for not attending church. My siblings kind of viewed me as, you know, mom, dad, like, what's wrong with Haley? Why isn't Haley coming to church? What's Haley's problem? And they kind of created this 
like fear of me almost, um, which was really difficult for everyone. <laughs> well, so not only were you a black bird, but you were the black sheep, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the, in the job of the black sheep are to come in and to break family patterns. Yeah. That's why they're black. That's why they're different. Otherwise, families would continue to go on in the same way, the same way, and their souls would never grow differently because they're right. caught in a pattern. So there's got to be something that comes in, right? You, you said, I'll come in. I'll change that pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come in different than all the rest <laughs> yep. and, and, you know, blow the dynamics of it up a little bit, stir the pot. <laughs> I definitely have done that in my life for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the black sheep tend to be the, the ones that are very awake. So they're, um, it's funny all the different groups of names that I hear them called, but there are a lot of the, you know, the misfits <laughs> or whatever. Yep. yep. Okay, do you, got, do you have another one? That was fun. Yeah, let me flip through my pages. Um, there's one I have called Dust to Diamond. <clears throat> Excuse me. This one was my very last therapy assignment as a student in wilderness. My therapist said, Haley, you know, it would be so cool. You should write a poem describing the journey that you went on um, and just kind of coming full circle. So this one is called Dust to Diamond. I was once a lively fire, flames dancing all around, but slowly I stopped taking in oxygen and my flames died down. I thought my behavior was heroic, for starving myself must mean that everyone around me would have all the oxygen they would need. My starvation turned to emptiness and emptiness turned to pain, a pain which cut so deep I never wanted anyone to feel the same. I gave away my fire so others would have heat, hoping with my selflessness their needs I would meet. I went in search of those whose flames had almost died and left with them from my fire a coal that was still alive. I gave and gave and gave until all that was left. Just one little coal was all I had kept. And though so much was given, nothing was returned. My lively fire was dead. Everything had been burned. With no fire to tend to and no desire for more, my coal began to crumble until it was just dust on the floor. I prayed with all my heart the wind would take what was left and scatter it about so I could finally rest. Then in the heart of silence, a strong voice called out, my dear, there is a purpose. There is nothing to be worried about. You are now coal dust, but with time you will see. You're meant to be a diamond, tough as can be. Your life has not been easy, but adjust your lens a little. This life is in your control. Your body is your vessel. You are the driver, and every decision you make affects the rest of creation. You can build or you can break. You decided to give from a very young age, but a lesson you must learn is that you also have to take. When you give and don't receive, love only goes one way, 
It flows out of you if you don't let it stay. You feel it for a moment and then give it away. But when seeds of love are planted deep within your heart and watered with your every gentle thought, you will start to see magic sprout within, a beautiful and fruitful garden. From there, you can share the produce of love while feeding yourself infinite love from above. Now race in the wind and talk to the trees. Your cries have been heard. May your heart rest at ease. You are cradled in the arms of an infinite plan. When you reach out your arms, you will always find a hand. Nice. So where along the way did... So you went from a religion, but then you are now extremely spiritual. So what happened? Is there something that, that shifted you there besides the, the um, trauma and things that you went through? Is there something else that happened as, out of a spiritual nature that, that came in during all of this? I've always been very spiritual before I was religious. That's kind of more how it felt was that I was just a spirit seeking the light versus a person seeking God. Um, And I had multiple experiences at wilderness therapy where I would be sitting in a tree or by some sort of, you know, natural landscape and the land would speak to me through myself. Um, And that was an incredible experience that I, I absolutely needed And it wasn't, you know, voices. It was, I was sitting on the earth and I was feeling the earth and I was feeling how I was a part of the earth. And then all these teachings and these, these just truths just flooded my being. And I just couldn't imagine separating myself from that ever again. I couldn't imagine, you know, going back to a church building where you know, there was just this separation and this division of the wildish and natural nature and then what man is supposed to be like. And it just didn't fit anymore. I was sitting and I was having these conversations with the heart and the spirit of the world. And the world grew naturally and was loved and unconditionally accepted in its natural state. And I was the same. And that just clicked and it just resonated in a way that it's now an unshakable truth inside of me. I know that I'm not separate from any of this. I absolutely know with all of my being that I'm having this experience with myself, for myself, and for the collective benefit of everything, not just everyone, but everything. Um, And so it wasn't a teaching I heard or quote or... I didn't run into, you know, a spiritual mentor or anything like that. It was just sitting in the heart of silence and hearing these teachings and these voices just penetrate my soul. And they just, they felt so right and so whole that it was, it was, it couldn't, nothing could distract me from wanting more of that. Well, I'm smiling because while you were sharing that poem, 
I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I've written down those same words. I'm not wow. exactly, but really close. Yeah. And when it happened to me, I went to Guatemala to Lake Adatlan, and it was a resurrection vacation, it was called. And it was really about just being with me, looking at me, being in the wilderness. I was getting ready to d go through divorce, and I wanted to get really clear because I had three yeah. young kids is this the best thing for me to do for me and my kids? Absolutely. And, um, so I took a whole week to go and just do this. And I sat by Lake Audit Lawn and just sat there like you're sharing. And I just am, was asking some questions in my head and I started getting answers and they were coming from the lake. And so I went into this whole thing, teach me, teach me how to really love myself. Mm -hmm. And I, a whole discourse came through me about you got to plant the seeds and you've got to water it and you've got to give it sunshine and it'll slowly grow. And, and a lot of what you were saying in your poem was so much of what I had written down in the journal. Wow. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah. We are one. We are a collective entity. We feel each other and we're feeling so many of the same experiences. We just have our own stories that we live. Right, right. So how do you think your journey that you had brought you to where you're at now? Do you think you would be where you're at right now without all that happening to you? I do not. I think I would be still journeying. I, I was born with such a curious soul. I was born, my soul, for as long as I can remember I have existed, has always been a seeker of the light because the light illuminates, the light brings clarity, the light is warm. And my soul has always turned towards that source. That is God to me, the son of God that rises every day. You know, I've always been a seeker, but the events of my life created this rapid return. I mean, just rapid return and a rapid remembrance of the truth. And had I not had these experiences, I would still be seeking, but I probably would not have found so many pieces of myself so quickly. Yeah. Well said. So that, that, that makes me think about, your age group right now, you know, I feel like your age group, 18 to 28, somewhere in there, like you guys have a huge mission. And like you came here to really do something big to, like you're all the black sheep of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> like you came here to take all the patterns and throw them out. We're going to do things differently. So yeah. I feel like there's probably a lot of you that have had to go through these wake up experiences really fast at a young age yeah. or else. I mean, you were either born into really challenging situations. So you were forced to burst out of it or else you were born in extremely nurturing families that nurtured that black sheep part of you. Right. Um, what do you think? How do you feel when I talk about your age group and your mission as a collective? We, as a human family, are at the brink of balance. 
is the way that I feel into it. Mm -hmm. And before there is balance, we have to feel the imbalance as you were speaking of earlier in the show. And my generation, in my words, how I feel, my generation was born feeling the imbalance. It's not something that's new to us. It's something that when we walked onto this planet, we said, ow, this place kind of hurts. What can we do? How can we be? How should we show up? And just through us being and feeling, we are making this difference because we are bringing a perspective that has never been, maybe not never, that's a, that's a dramatic word to use, but the collective right now is not aware of how easily we could transition into balance but those of us who are being born right now are aware of how easy it is. So our mission, our purpose, our job, I have a poem in here called Simple Purpose. And it says, in the simplest words I can find, my purpose is to find and recognize the difference between honest love and everything else. And I feel that that is our purpose, that is our mission, is that we are feeling into the world what is gilded what is, you know, fake and manipulative and what is honest. And we are seeking the honest parts of humanity. And we understand that the honest parts of humanity include the shadow. There are no cookie cutters here. We understand that all people have a place, all colors, all genders, all sexualities, all perspectives, all personas have a place here. And that is why we're here is because each of us have keys to doors that no one else can open. Each of us tell stories and have experiences that no one else can speak to. So for us to be here with each other now is the greatest gift and greatest opportunity. And if we can find a way to be here in a lovingly, un unconditionally loving way, we establish this balance that we've all been looking for. Right. Well said. Um, and I think it's so true that your generation came with a built-in truth detector. You know, um, you guys can't be fooled as easily, and you and and you want you want truth, you want justice, you want balance, and it's like you're not going to sit back and and just let it ride. And I feel like a lot of you are stepping out and speaking out and you know, taking action in the world right yeah. now. I think there has been a collective trauma upon the generations of, of, you know, recent years. I think there's been this collective disempowerment, you know, this collective, we can't make a change. We can't, what, what can we do? We're not powerful. We're not wealthy. Who are we? We're nobody. But if we can recognize that that is an illusion, that we are as powerful and big and strong as we are and allow ourselves to be, that love is only as big as I am. Fear is only as big as I am, and I am the common denominator. And if, if we as a collective can recognize that all those distractions are illusions and we are the ones we have been waiting for, and if we use that voice in this time 
as our opportunity to stand up, to empower ourselves, to inspire the rest of humanity. That's all we have to do is we just have to conquer ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the truth with everything. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have another poem coming out of the, like at the end of it, where you've come out of the cocoon, where you're in your, your happy place? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last poem that I wrote is just that. It's called I and I, um, as in seeing. Okay. Awesome. One eye peers inside of me, a place no one else can see. This is my shadow, and although it is dark, there is no longer any fear in my heart. I have been to the depths and found at the center a wounded child in need of a mentor. I picked that girl up and held her tight, using my other eye to show her the light. I taught her about balance and how everything becomes love. When you nurture your foundation and trust the above, now we are one, I and I. All that is God I have found inside. There is no longer any disgust in my heart. I have taken each brick of trauma apart. Now all that exists are these grains of sand that each offer a gift as they flow through my hand. This human journey is something so tender. Wake up the child and you will remember. We are all one, I and I. You won't find truth if you never try. Trust yourself, there is nothing to fear. Sometimes love is found in the tears. Break the dams that create limitations. There is only one earth nation. We need each other, so do your best. You'll find the answers after you finish the test. Awesome. How many poems? That looks like a pretty thick book. Can you pick it up and kind of show people what it looks like? Yeah. So this yeah. is Universe Y-O-U. Um, it has, I don't know the, uh, the number of poems, but it has 170 pages. There are quite a few poems in here. I just don't know the number. Um, and yeah, it's this whole journey of, of waking up to every part of myself and waking up to the, and remembering that I can have love for every part. Love doesn't only exist in the light. Love is found in the night. Love is found in the tears. Love is found in the fears. Love is found wherever we bring it. And, and we embody so much. So, so is it a mixture of your story along with the poems intertwined? The, there's a preface. Um, it's a couple pages long, which kind of just is my background and the reason for the book, what universe means. I believe that we are each a universe. We have, you know, a solar system, a soul powered in Spanish. The word for sun is soul, S-O-L. And when I picture a soul, I see the sun. It's just light. And we also have physicality. And because I am real and dimensional, I have shadows too. Because I'm real, not because I'm bad, but because whatever the light hits casts a shadow. And if I have a soul, if I have a sun, I also have places where the shadows are casted. And so I believe we have this universe, this experience of ourselves 
And we're, we are meant to engage with all of it. We are meant to know and receive all of it. So universe just comes from this place of, I went through, I walked through the landscape of my universe. And it's a poetic journey of what I found there and what I dismantled and what I planted and what I felt and saw. And it's, it's such an honor to share it with other people. <laughs> Yay. Um, where can people find your book? It is on Amazon. If they just type in universe, Y-O-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-E. And then my name is Haley Frogley. It'll pop right up over there. Nice. Nice, nice. So we are getting really close to the end. Is there anything else that you would like to share or add? Thank you very much for having me on and chatting with me. It's been a wonderful hour. Yes, this has been a lot of fun. Where, where do you see yourself heading now? Do you have plans? I, or are you just going where the river is going to take you? <laughs> this time I'm going where the ocean takes me. Ocean I'm going takes you. back to Maui. I'm bringing my backpack and a one-way ticket and just walking around the island without any plans. I'm just going to flow and just really be listening and tuning in to, you know, what the island has in store for me, what lessons I need to learn, where I need to be, and just being absolutely in the present without plans or expectations, just to continue this epic journey of being able to breathe and be alive. <laughs> In such a beautiful, wonderful place. I mean, Maui is heaven on earth to me. So I'm very excited. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. I love that you're doing that. Are you doing that shortly? I leave in July. You leave in July. Okay, yeah. well, best of luck to you. Thank you so much, Jerry. Yeah, thank, thank you. For spreading the light and for sharing and opening your circle with others. Absolutely. This was great fun. So I am so glad that you got to come back and we all got to hear a little bit more about your book. So Yay. everyone find Haley on Amazon, get that amazing poem book of her. <laughs> and everyone, it's a great, great week and it's a great weekend. So I invite you to look at what's out of balance in your life. It's an opportunity to bring it back into balance this weekend be conscious, be aware of what's going on. And if you happen to catch this podcast before Saturday, June 20th, and you are ready to join a group of us in a fire ceremony for the solstice, please check out my Facebook page. It's facebook.com backslash joyful living, all one word, Avesa, A-V-E-S-A. We are looking for all lineage holders, light workers, healers, and helpers. We need 444 people, ideally. Let's gather together on behalf of all of humanity to offer an activating fire ceremony to cleanse negativity and offer healing and the expansion of light on this June solstice. So if you feel inspired at all, please, you can find this on my event page on Facebook. We will love to have you there with the rest of us. Have a great week. Until next time. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.
Thank you for listening in to Light Laughter and Lattes. It has been my honor and pleasure. Please visit jerryhab.wix.com and check out my services and my packages. I work with people in person and from a distance, and I also give free 15-minute consultations. And so until next week, may your week be filled with light, laughter, and a whole lot of love.